Black is beautiful. Black is love. It can be seen 365 days a year, 24-7, and Target is here for all of it. Black Beyond Measure is Target's year-round campaign that celebrates and elevates the spectrum of Black love and success. From the multitude of commitments and investments in the Black community to supporting HBCU students and uplifting Black entrepreneurs. Shop Black-owned or founded brands at Target from home decor and candles to beauty, wellness products, and so much more. Surround yourself, enjoy, and amplify your Black love with the help of the Black-owned and founded brands at Target every day. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more. What's up, Black Love fam and first-time fam? Welcome to another edition of Man to Man. Today, I am beyond excited to have the brothers in the house, literally, that I have to the left of me, King J. Barnett, to the right of me, Kariga, <laughs> the man of love, Bailey. I feel like I'm introducing man. a heavyweight bout because <laughs> it's about to be a heavyweight bout of love, energy, yeah. all the things yeah. here. I mean, it's just a love fest. We started already before the cameras caught wind of it. No, so. I really felt it. I really felt it. It's, it's yeah. good to be Bro, really it's, it's, it. it's been beautiful. So anybody that's been watching, listening should be no strangers to these two, but they're first timers to one another. So again, the- I've known his brother all my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> legit, legit, legit. The body, just caught, like. the body just caught up to the journey. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. and the, the love's been flowing like yeah. like you like you've been saying, drip, drip. Like the the love is all here. <laughs> it's in the house. So we're ready to get going. So usually, I throw out the icebreaker of asking, "What is masculinity? What do you feel about masculinity?" I'm gonna flip it a little bit because. There's this phrase that's become rampant, popular in culture right now, toxic masculinity. Now, I have a few thoughts on toxic masculinity. I'll just come out and say it. I'm not a fan of the phrase itself because I truly believe it's misleading. I don't see masculinity being toxic. Mm -hmm. I believe it's it's the essence of that being, man mm -hmm. or woman, mm -hmm. because again, I... I probably have mentioned this once or twice in previous podcast episodes, I feel within all of us, there's masculine energy and feminine energy. Mm -hmm. And it's how you channel that, how you express that and bring that into the world. Absolutely. And with all of that said, that's why I don't believe this. This idea, The idea of toxic masculinity in our culture right now, I believe it to be misleading. So mm -hmm. I'm going to ask, what does toxic masculinity mean to you? And again, you don't have to run with, with my way of, of nah, understanding nah, this phrase or trying to break it down, I but get it. I'm going to kick it off that way. It's a unique conversation. It's one that I haven't had on air. Mm. I talk to my loved ones one-to-one. -one. I don't have it online because I understand what's happening where people who present masculine are presenting very toxic behaviors. So- I don't need to like decode the language to dissolve the fact that men are hurting people. Okay. But also know that hurt people hurt people. Right. And love people, love people. Right. The challenge is, it's really hard to love hurt people. Right. <laughs> so we otherize hurt people really quickly. Mm. I understand it now more as a parent, how we otherize harm because nobody better not harm my baby, right? right. So right. you're automatically somebody else. right? But the challenge also, 
and loving hurt people is to look at the whole person. Right. And I've said this to my my brothers off air. If it's toxic, it ain't masculine. Hmm. That's not how I perceive masculinity in my tribe. See, no one knows the definition of masculinity in my tribe. I live under the assumption of what they think masculinity is in the world. But what if I told you that in my tribe it's nurturing? What if I told you that in my tribe it's service first? Mm. What if I told you that in my tribe it is it's teaching, it is gentle? It's like the work of a, um, like an acrobat. <laughs> you know how strong you have to be to be that graceful? Right. So while, while right. it does require strength, it requires grace. Right. And when it displays proud, well, that's not masculine. That's proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it displays control, that's not masculine. That's control. Right. Right. But you have to really create a safe space to have that conversation. But if the language that shapes culture says toxic masculinity and we have 100 million people who will say they're experiencing it. And there's very little to say about the conflation and what the difference is between toxic and toxic masculinity, right? So the, that conversation is so loud, I have to serve first. I have to model what masculine means in my village. Hmm. I have to go be that enough to gain access to rooms to say, I deeply understand the harm that men are causing. But I also understand that hurt people hurt people. So what if he never knew his feelings or how to say them? Right. And it wasn't his, that wasn't his problem. Like, like King Jay said, that was three generations ago. I didn't even choose that for myself. Right. But I do understand that people are experiencing harm by men. I do understand uh, more notably the responsibility I have to help my brothers become more whole versions of themselves. But in my village, if it's toxic, it ain't masculine. You know, this misinterpretation, right, of toxic masculinity has really been pushed. And I think it's confusing, mm-hmm. even to men, because now you're telling me that my innate ability to function in my testosterone, in my being, in my masculine energy is toxic. So that means just me being me is me, toxic. It's wrong. Yeah. yeah so, exactly. so it's wrong. Exactly. And so it, it's 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 confusing and, and it could be very deflating and not just to the ego, but it can be deflating to who you think you are mm-hmm. as a man, because on one end, for me, I think that it is toxic behaviors Absolutely. because there are men who have experienced a great deal of hurt from women. So do we say toxic femininity? Right. Because if you want to begin to label and place the word toxic as a prefix in front of these different word and rename it, I think we have to be careful of how we're reshaping our culture, Mm -hmm. because what you're doing is you're redefining someone through experiences. Right. And how I experience someone has nothing to do with functionality, has everything to do with that person's experience of what they've gone through through certain events. Because I believe masculinity is the balance of the lion and the lamb. Mm -hmm. On one end, I'm able to roar. But on the other end, I'm able to nurture. I'm able to love. I'm able to care. There is a sense of gentleness. There's a sense Mm -hmm. of compassion. There's a sense of grace that I'm able to operate in. So I can be all. I can be both. 
I can be the lion who can stand on the mountaintops and protect my family, mm-hmm. but I can also be the lamb who holds my family mm-hmm. and holds the members of my tribe, right? Yeah. Because oftentimes if you're focusing on masculinity, we're forgetting that masculinity is emotional, right? Right. right. Now, the men you may experience <laughs> may only express anger, as you said, when there is a lack of emotional intelligence, there's a lack of of understanding when it comes to the emotional dynamic of your being. You don't understand disappointment. Hmm. Right. You don't understand embarrassment. You don't un- understand sadness. And so you only react out of aggression and anger. And when you have that, you know, it, it has a person who I'm not going to say that they are a bad person, but I'm going to say this individual was not given the space or the opportunity or was not developed in that area. And it's like when clients come in to my office and they says, hey, you know, my name is such and such. And OK, tell me what bring you here today It's like the first thing they do is they identify with their issue and they leave with that. Well, my name is John and, you know, uh, I'm depressed. And so I think what I'm seeing this shift in culture is we we become so addicted to labels because yeah. we want to have something yeah. identify ourselves. And so it's like there's people, mm-hmm. men and women. I mean, there's men who've had bad experience with other brothers, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, we're throwing these labels out and we're calling everything toxic and are there toxic people? Do Are there people that have toxic traits? But we have to be careful of these labels because I tell the guy named John, I said, well, John, you're not the depression. Right. You just happen to be dealing with depression because you lost your job. And because you lost your job, you feel that you can't provide for your family and not being able to provide for your family makes you feel less than a man, which drives you into this space where you become withdrawn because you feel like I don't know my next move. Mm -hmm. So now Mm -hmm. I provide this context and reframe it for him. Now he's able to see, oh, I'm not the depression. That was an event that took John experiencing. Exactly. And I'm John experiencing depression. (laughs) (laughs) This is so this is so beautiful to hear the many layers, how it how it unpacks. Right. And the ownership right. that I also hear us taking in how it's called to be, right? And I'm looking at King Jay over there. I'm thinking about myself like, okay, before toxic masculinity was a readily available cultural term, I was in the schools in Southeast D.C., right? One of my favorite things, all my students in D.C., they, they only called me Bailey, right? There's no mister <laughs> or nothing. But it comes so much from the correctional institutional culture, mm. Right. When you're just you're just the name. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I realized this one day I was teaching and uh, I was responding to an unfavorable behavior. And the young person was like, are you going to send this old CEO motherfucker in here to me? Right. And it, I was like, oh, he's seeing me as something that has nothing to do with me. Right. Right. But it was so important for me to know how he was seeing me in his emotional state. But as King Jay was describing it gets really hard to figure out who you are if you're always worried about how somebody is seeing you, right? Right. And that's a right. very dangerous space to be in as a person, but it's an absolutely dangerous space to be in as a black man. You have to be able to define yourself for yourself at some point because everybody's perception, you're going to be so different. Right. But because I knew he saw me as a CEO, I made sure I was the lamb and not the lion hmm. because he's so used to authority and size mm. imposing their way. 
So I walked in the room and I sat on the floor. I'm like, bro, I'm just here to tap in with you. I'm not trying to wrestle, right? Back was in the corner, fists up. I can wow. tell what this is for you. Yeah, yeah. And I can tell that me walking in here was a trigger. So that's the, also the analogy of the responsibility men have to know. It's not that it is who you are, but you have to understand if your experience, some of your presentations, some of your colloquialisms, if they can be triggering for somebody who experienced harm from somebody who was a lot like you, right? right. right. And that is the human experience now. I can't own that, but I can be aware of it, right? Because each of us has the lion and the lamb because neither one makes you less masculine. Right, no, right. I mean, firstly, beautifully put respectively <laughs> and there's a lot there's a lot from this i want to start grabbing i mean i just i'll stay silent but i'm I, rocking with you <laughs> but i want to understand then for the people watching but more importantly for the black men watching how do we get to this point how do we get to being aware and taking a step because like for my look from my own, you know, self journey spiritually, you know, there's there's that idea of the at man. So woman or man, but it's called the at man, where you observe your thoughts, you observe your experiences, you observe these emotions. So you are not like you said, I'm I'm John and I'm depressed. No, I'm John experiencing depression. I'm David experiencing joy, sadness, etc. The thoughts I have in my head, which you know through me meditating, I'm able to take a step back and observe these thoughts that are happening, which is trippy. That in itself was trippy, just getting to that point through meditating. What is it like beautiful mind or those movies where, Mm -hmm. you you know, you see all the calculations and they have all the calculations kind of in the, Mm -hmm. in the fourth dimension in front of them and they're just tapping in. So anyway, bringing all of that back, but to be able to see things in that way and compartmentalize emotion, compartmentalizing these labels and detaching from it. You two clearly (laughs) are at at a certain level of understanding and experience within your respective journeys. But what's that first step? Like somebody in, again, watching and saying, that all sounds beautiful, but how do I, as you would say, how do I tap in? How do, how do I begin that progress? This is a beautiful question. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We can yes. Yeah, that's 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 a you know, that that's a beautiful, a beautiful question. It's layered, it's convoluted. Sure. It's um, all the things. And here's the thing, it's simple because it takes a decision, mm. but it's complicated because you also you're concerned about who do I become after I make a decision. Right. Right. It's oftentimes right. why we won't let go of the story mm. because mm. the story gives me identity. Right. 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 If I show up in the world as the abuse, I now have something to stand on. But if I get healed, I don't have this story. So I'm now left with creating a new narrative. Mm. And what if this new narrative I'm not seen as I was seen as I was when I was abused Hmm. and that's the fear. Yeah. And so, because letting go means that I have to recreate, I have to reinvent, I have to restore. I love those re's 
because mm-hmm. what it does, it gives you an opportunity to start over. Mm-hmm. And so many brothers feel that where they are is the end. Right. And I think it starts from a brother really taking the opportunity and seeing outside of where he is. And I remember, you know, sitting in therapy. This is like first couple of sessions. And my experiences was just like Antoine Fisher on the movie. Right. (laughs) So he's sitting there and, you know, he this is like the third session that he's had with Denzel. Right. He's a psychiatrist. And Denzel's just kind of like, all right, you ready? You know, and so. And I never forget, you know, the guy's like, hey, you want to open up? And so he's a white guy. And I'm just kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Man, I'm not open up to this white dude. You know, he don't. And so it wasn't until he asked me about, like, so tell me about football. Mm. So the tears start flowing. Like, just started. And I'm just like, man, dude, this dude got me. Because <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Because that was, a, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm in here, dude. Just And he would just sit. You just sit. Is there you're ready? Yeah. Like what what I've discovered, because I I work with a lot of brothers, you know, across all different walks of life, all different genres. They're ready. It's just trusting that that space is going to be protected. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that the man didn't judge me for crying, because first I'm just like, I'm a black man crying in front of this white man. Right, right, right. That right, within right, itself right. was just like I'm weak right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Sit right with me in the moment. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? But here's what I learned, David. Man, those tears were so liberating because I am 28, 29, right? So this is 10 years ago. And I'm crying as a 29-year-old, but it was really the 13-year-old Jay that was really bawling. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it that question that you ask, how do we, it's really that decision. Like, what would you want life to look like if you had the opportunity to heal or to do something different? And many brothers have never asked that question. Right. I like the positionality of its simplicity yet complicated surrounding the individual choice. And I, I do agree that life is a set of choices but there are also so many circumstances that are designed that never get black men an opportunity to ask themselves that question. Hmm. So if that question isn't posed and you aren't making a choice, but it's not, you aren't negating the choice. Nobody gave you a damn choice option. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It wasn't presented to you as an option. Yeah. That part. So while we hide, while we identify the power of choices and give individuals access to the thinking and understanding what's happening within them, I loved his response. I love the clinical nature of it. It gave the individual a chance to understand themselves while doing it because that's really all it ever is. It's you yourself doing it. So if he sees him on a one-to-one level, but in the black male experience, we all can identify there is a culture that persists where some options or some questions never get posed. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's going to take podcasts. It's going to take culture. It's going to take shifting the narrative and what we see on TV. It's going to take music. It's going to take everything to point us in the direction to ask ourselves some essential questions. That way we can arrive at choices because right now we on a, we, we download on a program as a code. Right. 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 So if we're talking about code, we know what code is and code persists and code, whether it's the military or the streets, your individual thoughts, feelings and nuances aren't as important as following the code. Mm-hmm. That's so dangerous. 
when you're born alone, die alone. So at some point, you got to ask yourself, what is it that I want? There's a young brother out of Vallejo named LaRussell, and I think he's doing this through music. Hmm. The questions he has, people asking themselves, and I, I believe in therapy, but I believe that there are steps to get there. Mm-hmm. And then I also believe that there are, it takes a level of endurance if you have a bad experience yeah. to have hope to go back again. Right. But there are therapeutic instances, there are therapeutic yeah. environments, there are therapeutic processes that if we just had access to on a daily basis, mm-hmm. it would have long term effects on our ability to pursue wellness for ourselves. Because you got to understand too, like wellness as a practice or a domain. It has several different entry points, several different lenses, several different cultures, and we just deserve some. So if you ask me like yeah. how to get us, how to get us to it, it's the individual practice, but it's also the cultural shifts. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. I <laughs> like we receive so much messaging culturally yeah. through music. Well, because it's, it's such a powerful art. Sure. But T.I. says something, right? T.I. is like exploring comedy right now. What? Yeah, he's he's doing, he's like on, it's like two, three weeks or three months, like he's been doing stand-up wow. shows. Okay. And he right. said, you know, I needed a I'm new, I, need, I had to change this. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine being 41 saying, money, ho, pause <laughs> and close. Yeah. He had yeah. a chance to grow, to evolve, to say that. Yes, agreed. Agreed, 100 all we need is a chance to grow, to evolve, to ask ourselves essential questions. Yeah. And he now knows the music that he created then does not represent him now. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Shout out. I, but, I, but, you, but, you, but you know <laughs> what, though, out. man? I, I really, I, I like that because Bishop Jake said something uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was uh, preaching and the message was titled that we need an epiphany. And the only way that there's change, you have to have an an epiphany. And so with that, right, while we have in the black culture, right, we have really glamorized being young and just doing whatever. But there's also a part that we miss in the aging process to get to that point of evolution. Hmm. I mean, you look at Jay, you look at Nas, you look at some of these rappers who we grew up with, right? And you look at the evolution and the growth that they made and you look at the transitions from, you know, doing videos, you got 20 girls on set, you know, they twerking, you in the big cars to where now, you know, I saw Jay the other day at the Super Bowl taking pictures of his daughter down on the field throwing the football. And it's those pictures that we need to see Mm -hmm. because while we all want to remain young, that's not how it works. And so if we can see the black man growing old and evolving with wisdom, Mm. uh, with intellect, right? Insight, because on one part of it, here's the beauty of it. And I say this on, as I'm on the cups of turning 40 in a couple of months, it's the hindsight, gives me great in-depth to insight, Mm. which allows me to have a great foresight. Mm. (laughs) So, because I look at 10 years ago, surviving my second suicide attempt, right? And and as I'm approaching 40, I'm like, dude, this was almost not a thing. Right, right. And so like now my perception on life is totally different because 
I've lived through enough from the past 10 years, been on this journey of healing and growing to where there's such an appreciation for the black man, but also that reflection is the appreciation of myself. Because I can remember a time where when I looked at a brother, I looked at this brother and sized him up based on physicality, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what you did in football. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, even if there was a dude bigger than you, you always looked at, all right, what are the points that, yeah, yep. he's right. over, he's bigger than me, but okay, where's his weakness? Right. right. And so, right. and leaving football, I had to do a lot of changing my mindset from looking at a brother from being somebody that I was competing with, but how could I collaborate and how could I connect and tap in? Because after football, where I realized is like we were all just putting this helmet on because we all found safety in it. But then again, we all had the common experience of pain. Hmm. You listen to Ray Lewis story, right? Doing yeah. the push-ups. Yeah. So he can be stronger to fight off his mom. I think it was a boyfriend, right? You look at T.O., you know what I mean? I mean, the pain, right? right? That, right. that That was the connection. It was the pain that drove you for the performance. But then what happened is that when the career's in or when you can no longer perform, what do you connect the pain to? Because see, pain is a great place to build from, right? And it's built, We there's been a lot of great things built out of pain, but mm-hmm. it's not a great sustainer. Right. So right. the evolution that we all have to make is understanding that Pain cannot be something that we use as fuel <laughs> for a lifetime. Right. And that's what we've done as black men. Yeah. Whether it was through racism, whether it was through not having a father, where it was through, you know what I'm saying, seeing a mom, because all of us are 80s baby, like yeah. so, you know, grew up in, yeah. in the crack epidemic. You know what I mean? So it it's it's that's what we know. So, right, I'm a black man that, you know, I can find love and peace and enjoy, yeah. you yeah. know what I mean? To where I can walk down the sidewalk and breathe in the air. It's not difficult. It's mm-hmm. actually, wow, this is a privilege. We're all on love side. We're just trying to find our path there. He's, t- he's talking mm-hmm. about what I call living <laughs> in the frequency of love, right? Right, right, right. It's right, just this thing right. like, do I surrender to all the things that are occupying love's territory? The values that got me where I was today because I didn't use love to get here. Mm-hmm. So when do I surrender this toolkit for the other toolkit? Man, that's and that's, and yeah. that's a hard question because I see a, I see a language right now that talks about um, folks prefer loyalty than love, right? Cause love will get you killed, oh, yeah. right? Be loyal yeah. to me. Right. Yeah. And I totally understand that somebody could have totally hurt you in the name of love. But just because they hurt you in the name of love does not mean that that was love in its fullness. Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah. some of love and more of that person's attributes, decisions, their ability to have power, authority over you. But it hurts us so deeply because somebody we love did that to us. So love don't mean a damn thing. And I know that that's one of the greatest deceptions used against the power of love. Right. So many people who have been hurt in the name of love will say, don't trust love. Right. Right. But I've experienced so much pain and loss otherwise that love was the only place for me to run to. And it is there that I find the abundance when mm-hmm. the room is just wide open, when the day is wide open. But I also have challenges where I'm not experiencing the abundance of love because I am 
reminding myself of scarcity. <laughs> I'm reminding myself of times where things weren't as abundant as they are. And you have to do the training of the mind, right? To be the first person to believe and love yourself, to be the first person to affirm yourself. And then when you do that for yourself, you realize there goes I. Hmm. Why wouldn't I do that for that person? Right. Right. If right. this is how I'm showing up for myself, why wouldn't I show up for that person that way? And then there's this point of evolution where it's just kind of like, shit, they really bring some funk. Right. <laughs> and I'm, it might have to get funky, except that wasn't even my plan today. So now I have, I have to exist in this space where, damn, that's where you at. Right. right. I would offer you the love I offer myself, but you can't take it. But it was not in my plans for myself to get funky with you today. Right. And that's another level of looking at love and problem solving. But it's not easy. Right. No. Right. It's going to get funky. If it's going to get funky, it's going to get funky. Right. Because I'm also going to stand on the same pride and, 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 and principles that got me on my 10 toes today. Exactly. Exactly. But it's a dance. <laughs> it is a dance. It can be a beautiful one. But I think what you both are speaking to, there's something I've come across recently called your emotional home. So what you were just saying about, you know, yes, yeah, sometimes you got to tap into that depending on your surroundings, who you grow up around, your environment, neighborhood, whatever, where, yeah, you are trying to grow as a person. But that emotional home is I am used to feeling a certain type of way. I'm comfortable feeling sad, feeling angry, feeling like I got to size up the next man when I walk down the block. And I've been there. I mean, I'm, sh I trust and believe all of us right here have been through that. Like, as you both were talking about this, I went back because you referenced the 13 year old self. So I channeled back to 13 year old David and the neighborhood I was living in or the neighborhoods at that time. And yeah, I'm, I'm having a, not on the field, but on, on the field of the streets yep. and, and, you know, <laughs> you know, there's something, I just got a side note a little bit because the level of articulation in this room is so beautiful, not to denounce any way of, of how we speak in our vernacular as a culture and as a people in general, it's not of the slang, but it's more of how we're communicating and processing these thoughts and being able to, again, express it as we are comfortably, again, because of the space, because of the environment, because of the people and the energy that we're transferring right now in this room that I feel, you know, that's something that takes time in breaking away from this emotional home, but it's taking, it's making that choice, that decision. It's getting yourself to the understanding, like you said, with this dance, which is a, I, I think it's a daily dance for any it of is. us. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's, it's, I fail it every day every, when I'm driving. Yeah. Everything yeah. I just told yeah. everything yeah. I just told you about choosing, I get funky every time. I don't, I don't know how not to, right, 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 right? Right, right, right? And it's not like rage and want to run somebody down. But what I'm saying to myself in the car and what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. shit, yeah. I haven't passed it, yeah. right? And, right. I, and I look at myself like, this is ridiculous. Right. It's never just like, why them brothers acting like that? Miss me with that bullshit. Yeah. yeah. There are deep reasons why hurt people hurt people. Right. right? Yeah. 
and why they haven't got a chance to be in a room to ask themselves this question. So when I'm driving and I and I and I and I and I laugh at myself like damn, I'm like, okay, more practice. Yeah. Right. More practice. Because right. I'm fully aware of the choice. Yeah. And I still go dance. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 not and it's it's crazy because it's not to be all biblical, but I mean Paul talks about when I want to do right, evil is always present. That I should do, I don't do. So there's a great level of awareness as Paul is speaking about, yeah. even to do right and right. knowing to do right. Right. But I'm still but choosing I'm still, to do wrong. You know what it's I mean? That emotional and home. So, Paul went back to the emotional it, 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 home. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think, you know, part of it is accepting that it is a daily practice. Yeah. But the grace that you're talking about is that because it even take grace to say, man, I failed today. Yeah, it does. But the great the, but the beauty in that grace is that. I'm not punishing myself because I fail. Yep. And oftentimes it is the the four agreements talks about the punishment, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're the only species that does it. Animals don't punish themselves like we do. Right. And like we will replay it over and over. And that was one of the things that I had to learn is why did I feel that I was deserving of being punished hmm. because I missed the mark? Rather than giving myself the grace that, okay, how can you make tomorrow better? Tomorrow comes. But our mind has been so programmed and conditioned that punishment is what you deserve. Right. Right. Like, like we don't think love first. Right. We don't think tenderness. You know, we don't think, you know what I mean, this home that you speak about. Because even to feel home, it's not a place. It's a state of being. Exactly. So exactly. it's even to even to deserve that. Okay, I failed today, but I still deserve to feel love. I still deserve to not only love but to be the beloved. Right. So mm. it's it's having all of that in that because now what happened is you got funky, and now that funkiness ruins the rest of the evening with your wife, with your mm -hmm. kids. And it's not that you're trying to be that, but it's really the punishment that everyone else has to endure right. because of where you were. Right. Because of wow. the inability to apply grace to yourself. That's, it's going to be really hard exactly. to give yourself grace if you have not experienced grace. And if you, yeah. it, and as he, as he gives a biblical connotation, like, well, very clearly, the grace that I'm talking about is I, I've experienced God's grace in a way that I can't articulate. I can only make good of my actions. Hmm. Right? There's work for me to do because of the grace that I've experienced. And when you hear someone say, at that time, I survived my second suicide attempt. The articulation that he has, his inclination for grace, none of us will ever be able to measure. Right. It's something right. he felt that has him show up in the world the way he does now with grace. I try to create instances where I can show grace for someone not to be because I gave you grace, but an example that God actually does do this action. It isn't something you have to hear about. Hmm. Right? Yeah. It actually really exists. And maybe we'll create instances, right? And this is why OGs, like when they evolve, they, the good deed in the hood, right? The, the good deed, the turkey, the, the giving away the money, <laughs> right. the, no matter how you got it. Right. It's all connected to this, this deeper desire, right? For this goodness, for, to ease the reprieve. If you were hurting, you want to ease somebody's pain for just the day. Yeah. I've experienced pain, though, that no one could lift from me. 
right? Right. Yeah. And and it, I had to experience it. But in that place, like when I talk about love, I'm not talking about the low hanging fruit of romance. Right. I'm talking about God's redeeming love that has given me supernatural vision to what impairs me, the grace that is there for me. Like the I failed, but I have another day. That's so hard to do. To train the mind to do that. Yeah. And maybe it's because like we really think we engineer our own success. So I'd really punish myself too if I thought I was responsible for my success. But you're not, partner. Right? (laughs) There are work tendencies, habits of mind, things you can do, but you in yourself are not responsible for I know it sounds crazy. I've been on amazing tracks before and things happen outside of my control. The promise was still fulfilled. It just looked nothing like I thought it was. Man. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. We we sit right here right now. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, David and I connected, man. And I mean, like when I tell you I'm drawn to David and he doesn't know this, but he stays in my prayers. And the reason he stays in my prayers is because I can feel the weight that he carries, but I can also feel the gift that the, that the gift that he has, that the world is ready to embrace. Right. Because it's, it's one of those things, right, man, that my vision was like, okay, how am I going to change the world? God's plan was like, you're going to change it like this, hmm. you know, and my, my idea was always football, right? And I'm just like, no, this is, no, I need this ball. I need this helmet. You know, this is where, this this, this is me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he's like, no, I'm going to take you through a process, you know, and I'm going to take you through this journey to where, because I felt like, all right, football provided this brotherhood. It provided, you know, this Mm -hmm. community, Mm -hmm. this camaraderie Mm -hmm. that soldiers feel, right? Mm -hmm. They they come back from war. They come back from their tours. And it's like, you enter back into life as a civilian. You're like, shit, like this ain't, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, and you're, you're sitting in a corner and, you know, you're playing Russian roulette and not because you're wanting to die, but you feel like parts of you are dying hmm. because of what you're longing for. So when I reach out to David, just on like, hey, brother, it's because I can feel parts of him longing because these were also parts of me that was longing, not necessarily for somebody just to see me, which is also a part of longing too, right. but also somebody to feel me. Because how many times as men do we feel left out? We feel unheard. We feel unseen because there's this perception that it's not necessarily that that you don't hurt. Your hurt is not what I really care to really hear about. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, you feel like, well, shit, let me just keep, let me, you know what I'm saying, pack my lunch and let me just keep it moving <laughs> yeah. to all of a sudden. You know, oh, such and such, man, he went in the house and shot up everybody, man. How could he was just such a great guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. in sharing that, like what you said, man, a part of that is is really going through that transformation. And what I realized, one of the things that, and I learned this, this was outside of therapy. This lady asked me once, she said, have you ever been happy? And I was like, oh, I was like, I don't even know what that is, you know? 
And I, I, I broke down, man, because I was like, you know, I didn't really know what that was. And I, cause I'm like, man, there's no such thing as happiness. Right. But growing up, my dad was so big on, you know, hey, keep a level, stable mind. You don't get excited. There's no fun. You know, it's like even like when I played ball, he was like, just make a play, do your job and just like don't be a showboater. And hmm. and it wasn't so much about a showboater. It's just like really just just expression. Ex- expressive. Yeah. yeah. You know, so and, and I think part of that, man, was really like, man. I've always felt like everything's just you do your job and that's it. So happiness was was not even a thought. Started to code it to yourself mm. that it wasn't happening. Exactly. Exactly. And so and it wasn't until I really allowed myself, man, I came to LA, this is like about eight years ago. It was the first time I ever took a solo trip. Came out here eight days and just like stayed around Santa Monica and just bounced around. And I, I I was walking on the beach and like the water's coming in and, you know, you had the tide coming in and then you had, you know, the people surfing and mm-hmm. so all of this stuff is going on. Right. Mm-hmm. But the water was still peaceful. And I said, that's happiness. And it wasn't there was nothing happening to the water. People were in it and enjoying it, but nothing happened to the water. The water was just the water. And that's when I realized happiness was just this state of being. Mm. It wasn't so much a smile like, hey, yeah, Dave, yeah, was good? Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, so. I'm bugging. <laughs> no, no, no. This is the ha- so the happiness. I, I felt some of that uh, in the beginning of our conversation when like, oh, this is real. This is mm. authentic. Right. Mm. And I lead with that. That's what I that's what I always hope is my instance. My experiences were, were, were such of that where no one had answers. So what I really valued was perspectives of lived experiences and good listeners. Hmm. And I really enjoyed um, learning more about King J just in our own dialogue. It had me just be like, yo, this is, this is feels, this feels good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just, I happened to pick what I didn't know would, um, if it would make any application, I just folded one ear while we were, and the affirmation comes from page 26 and it reads, today I will take time to honor a sacred moment no matter the circumstances around me. My happiness is my responsibility and I'm okay with that. Wow. <laughs> it, so I'm listening to this conversation wow. take shape, right? All the things that black men have to lift and all the ways that our happiness was like an afterthought of just like living. Like, you wanna be happy, bro? <laughs> right I mean where I'm from you had to be cool way before being yeah, happy man. right yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. but then Richard G you know you talk about the cool pose and then I'm also looking at like when I say all of us deserve to be happy I'm not talking about ones that articulate like me ones that are in front of podcast you know little wavy windows and things like that <laughs> I know it gets really hard to articulate this but it I, I'm in part of so many spaces where it feels like Every black man, everybody is deserving of love, but niggas got to get better to deserve love. <laughs> like you got to be a better <laughs> version of yourself. So I'm really interested in us taking this type of game, this type of perspective and sprinkling it on who they call the niggas because somebody's calling us one right now to be very clear. But like <laughs> if, if, if you have the courage to go to the places where these conversations aren't happening, <laughs> 
and knowing that the person, because we're all full layered people, they actually want to know what happiness is too, right? And create the conditions. I can't go help you be happy. Right. I'm saying we can create the conditions through conversations, through art, that every everybody who identifies as a black man, there's room for them to explore. And happiness is like this way far out, like why thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I realized my personal development was going to require that I knew how to found, find happiness. I couldn't, it wasn't going to be in my grind. It wasn't going to be in my work. It wasn't going to be in my success. I would have to find happiness and it could not be uh, based on the conditions of what someone else thought or the access that someone else provides. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I recently, my 36th birthday, I told myself I was proud of myself and I cried for two reasons. One, why had I waited so long to say that to myself? (laughs) And two, like what, what was I waiting on? Yeah. Was it something else I was supposed to accomplish or achieve? Or Now, what's unique is I had a positive self-image. I felt good about myself. But it's like I kept telling myself another step, another step, yeah. another, oh, step, yeah. another, step yeah. another step, another step, another step, another step. Man, you preach to the choir. Before I would tell myself that I was proud. Dang, dude. And it's like once I said I was proud, yes, the tears fell, but something else happened. I could see abundance. Hmm. And my mindset for pursuing abundance is way healthier than my mindset for chasing something out of scarcity. Hmm. I'm actually going to get up every day with repetition and go till the land so abundance is handed down to the next generation. If I'm running from scarcity trying to grab onto something, I'm not healthy, I'm not whole, I'm not present. I'm existing around the function of what I think I need to accomplish to be happy. But in abundance, I'm going to get up yeah. every day and go to work. I wish I had a handkerchief to throw at Bruh, you. Man, man, so I'm hearing somebody say, okay, my 40th is approaching. And I'm listening, like, experience what you tell yourself. And I realized, I told Fee on the way down here, I said, oh, shit. I figured out what happened. 33, when my first daughter was born, I found out on my 33rd birthday that I was going to be a father. Album released February that year, Soul of Black Folk. I'm still teaching in East Oakland, founded a school. I went back and looked at like some of my journal entries virtually and on paper and how tired I was. Hmm. But how much I, I just believed that being tired was a part of the fucking work. And I conditioned myself to think that if I wasn't tired, I wasn't doing it right. That's, man. And I was, I was, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, right. it hurt me to see like, yeah. and you know, that's the thing about recruiting young teachers. <clears throat> We could believe it, if, and especially if I'm coming out of a circumstance where I'm trying to create access to the conditions for more people, but martyrdom is not my path, right? That's not my happiness, that's not joy, that's not revolutionary. I've done it already and I'm not living there. Right. So now I'm trying to design for myself. What, what happened is when we experienced a loss in September, 2019, what, what else is there? And that interrupted my ability because I was actually, it was a really beautiful stride. Wife just finished her PhD. We operating a school in Oakland, touching Oakland, putting out music, about to have a family. And when our daughter transitioned at birth, I didn't know what happiness was. I didn't know what a good day was. I didn't know what good was. Hmm. I had to reframe all of this. And when you say you're not your story, I smiled and I 
And I asked myself, like, what part of this am I identifying with? And what part of it is sh- shaking me to my core? Yeah. Yes, I am an angel father, but I am not only the day my daughter passed. I'm the man who's learned how to love her and evolve in being her father. Even though she's not here, that's who I am. Somebody who has the inside of wisdom. So I'm not just what happened to me. Right. Uh, right. I'm this ever evolving being. And when I can say that, live in that and do that, all my work makes sense. So being here today makes absolute sense. Perfect sense. And 13 years in public education in D.C., Philly, Baltimore, Oakland, that wasn't the fullness of my identity. Right. Right. There are more. And I need to be connected to spaces where I'm hearing men talking about the evolution and, and who they were after the turn mm. and what happens after the turn. I need to hear it. And our young partners need to hear it because everybody is on a curve. We all coming around a turn. Right. The joy is leaning into that process and saying that on the other end of my experiences is an abundance that awaits me. Mm. Not fear of the unknown. It's the abundance that awaits me and I'm going and I'm evolving and I'm willing to take accountability to remove what I don't need for the next level. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing worse than seeing a brother with a crazy shoe game go to the beach and keep his shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> None of that shit matters. Right. Yeah. It right. don't matter no more, bro. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a new chapter. It's called put your toes in the sand. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Man. We are gonna hold in 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 that emotion. Yes. Because that was the rawest, most vulnerable of the conversation. And I felt it. I know you felt it. I, I kept <laughs> acknowledging you because that was that was just hitting us so deep. I had to just yeah. bring you into that. Kariga. Y'all create no, no. Y'all created it. I was listening to more about myself in the examples of yourself you were giving. And I was real-time synthesizing, not coming with a line and things that were rehearsed. Who would have knew that affirmation? I know it was gonna end up on happiness. Right? Well, that's why we were blown away. You just opened your damn book on happiness. And that that goes to something else we were talking yeah. about too. That the divine, the, the divine in all of this. But that's why I can surrender. Yeah. When I know someone else has it. Yeah. I don't have yeah. to have the answers. Yeah. I can sit with ease and listen to somebody else hear from the spirit if it confirms true for me. Mm-hmm. If it don't confirm true for me, trust me, my mind is wondering. Right. Right. Because right. people always talk about what they hear from God. Yep. But when I can feel it in you, it gives me a moment to just be. And I experienced that. So when so I was telling like, no, I'm really tapped it in with bro. It's not, nobody has the, all the answers for the black experience. There is no black correspondent. There is no black man who gets it, but there are black men who can create the conditions mm-hmm. to create freedom for so many others. And I recognize that I'm in the company of such. And that gives me great reprieve when I know that brothers is lifted and, and creating pathways for others. There ain't no success we after, bro. Because what good does the success matter if you got to look at somebody on the other end of the street and be like, I don't know what's up with him. 
Right. Now, I was going to acknowledge you because we, we all acknowledge you, acknowledge myself in this as well, <laughs> because yes, you're right. We, we did create this. And I think from all of our stories of experience and feelings and emotions that we've poured out right here during this conversation led to you being able to express yourself in the way that you did with the vulnerability that you did. And yes, no script. I have no script. There is no teleprompter. This is real. This is raw. This is off the cuff. This is off the heart and from the heart. And again, that's why I love, that's why I love doing this. That's why you two in particular, I was talking to our amazing mega producer, (laughs) Crystal on how to make this work. We had, we had this conversation in the makings for, wow. God knows how long, literally, because oh, wow. after my conversation with you, after my conversation with you, I said, okay, when this becomes a podcast off of the IG series that we started, they're coming back. And then after I spoke to both of y'all, I said, no, we need to meet in person. Wow. And this is in the midst of you know the, the beginnings of the pandemic and lockdowns. And I was like, we got to have this conversation in person. We gonna get yeah. in person together. And I'm so, so happy and fortunate that again it's not on our time but it's on the right time it's on the divine time and it came together and it poured out this beautiful beautiful this has been experience yeah so yeah just just like those digits right there just heal (laughs) (laughs) which i love but kariga i yeah i i wanted to acknowledge you i receive and then acknowledge the rest of us i sit with it i receive i don't deflect it that's also my growth area, sitting with this new chapter of yeah. what I'm called to be and do. So I receive it. And what just came to me was wellsprings in a dry land. Hmm. This felt like wellsprings. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to end it here because that's a beautiful note. And that's an even more beautiful note. And I'm sure yeah. we could drop more beautiful notes. And we're going to continue yeah. to drop more beautiful notes because I love you both. And you're going to get some big old hugs and, and energy from yeah, me. Yeah. And I can't wait to do it once we cut here. So yeah. as I always end it, thank you, Jay, for coming in. Kariga, thank you for coming in. Thank you all for being able to join us in this vulnerable, open, beautiful space. And again, I hope this is something we can continue to do and continue to bring and we can continue to bring to you to listen to observe to experience to take in to take action to take that first step as we mentioned on this beautiful beautiful edition of man to man make sure to check out king j barnett on the socials make sure to check out this brother kariga bailey on the socials, on the internet, they got some beautiful things happening. Keep up to date with them. Soul Affirmations book, check it out. Ton of music, beautiful, <laughs> nominated. Which hardware do you have from uh, that YouTube series? Oh, that is an Emmy. That is an for... Emmy, he said. An Emmy. So, so humbly. <laughs> yes. Man, don't step on their necks, bro. Y'all got an Emmy out here in these streets. What's that? What's that? Yeah. What, what, mic check. One, two. You got an Emmy. I just want to make sure y'all hear that. Okay. Yeah. So, please, yeah. YouTube, 
search, check it out. Yeah, it's uh, Dear Beloved and When the Waters Get Deep. Check out those okay. two films on healing. Okay, thank you for bringing right. that in. Yeah, two, uh, Just Heal Bro Tour. So it's a 30 city tour. Wow. Yeah, wow. so, yeah, you, yeah. Wow. B- both of you brothers will be called upon. It, it is um, off the book, Just Heal Bro, which is a journal for men where I am promoting and encouraging brothers to find their voice. I live by this, man. The man who finds his voice finds his way. Just here, bro. Beautiful. Well, until the next episode, peace, love, and healing. We out.